Here we go. Uh-oh. We're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. We're on. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Infinite Cast, a podcast. Um, we're just going to get right into it today because, uh, believe it or not, we're on a bit of a schedule. We're on a bit of a schedule. Yes. I have to I have to work. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so do I. Yeah. We're all working all the time. Yes. But uh, so are the students at uh, the Enfield Tennis Academy. All right. How am I doing on my transitions? Pretty That's good. That's pretty good. All right. That's pretty pro. Let's do it. Uh, 7th November, year of the Depend Adult Undergarment. Each of the 8 to 10 pro-rectors at the Enfield Tennis Academy teaches one academic class per term, usually a once-a-week Saturday thing. <laughs> this is fucking Saturday classes. Evil. This is mostly for certification reasons, which takes us to EndNote 104, in order for Onantic Academies to qualify as actual schools and not just like extended-term sports camps. All instructors and pro-rectors except the head have to be listed as more like academic instructors who pro-rect on the side. <laughs> Uh, back to the text. Plus, all but one of the pro-rectors are low-level touring professionals with low-level professional tennis players in general being not exactly the most candid stars in the intellectual Orion. Because of all of this, <laughs> their classes tend to be not only electives but academy jokes. And the ETA Dean of Academic Affairs regards pro-rector taught classes, e.g. in fall YDAU, Corbett Thorpe's Deviant Geometries, Aubrey DeLint's Introduction to Athletic Spreadsheets, or the colon mad Tex Watson's From Scarcity to Plenty, From Putrid Stuff Out of the Ground to the Atom in the Mirror, a lay look at energy resources from anthracite to annular fusion, etc. <laughs> Wait, one of the pro-rectors is named Tex Watson? Tex Watson, uh, uh, correct. That's one, of the, reference? that's one of the Manson family killers. He, I believe he's the person who pulled the trigger on the murders. Oh, amazing. I don't I, I don't know what the... Uh, am I mis- misremembering? I'll, I'll look it up. Go Certainly that's going. the vibe. Colon mad Tex Watson. Uh, as not satisfying any sort of quadrivial requirement, but the older ETAs with more latitude, credit, and elective-wise still tend to clamor and jostle for spots in the pro-rector seminars. Not just because the classes can be passed by pretty much anybody who shows up and displays vital signs, but because most of the pro-rectors are also like low-level tennis pros as a genus, kind of bats, and their classes are usually fascinating the way plane crash footage is fascinating. E.g., although any closed room she's in soon develops a mysterious and overpowering vitamin B stink he can just barely stand, ETA senior Ted Shack has taken Mary Esther Thode's perennially batsoid. The personal is the political is the psychopathological. (laughs) The politics of contemporary psychopathological double binds. All three times it's been offered. M.E. Thode is regarded by the upperclassmen as probably insane by like clinical standards, although her coaching proficiency with the girls' 16s is beyond dispute. A bit on the old side for an ETA pro-rector, Thode had been a pupil of Coach G. Stitt back at Stitt's infamous old crop and apolette Harry Hopman program in Winter Park, Florida, and then for a couple years at the new ETA as a top and showbound, if kind of rapidly political and not too tightly wrapped female junior. 
later blacklisted off both the Virginia Slims and Family Circle professional dye staff circuits after trying to organize the circuits as more politically rabid and unwrapped players into a sort of radical post-feminist grange that would compete <laughs> only in pro tournaments organized, subsidized, referees, overseen, and even attended, and cartridge distributed exclusively to not only women or homosexual women, but only by, for, and to registered members of the infamously unpopular early interdependence era female objectification prevention and protest phalanx which takes us to end note 105 Wait, is that an acronym for anything uh f-o-f-o-p-p-p <laughs> a dwark knight heavy leather organization whose membership on the u.s east coast was in the five figures up until the ugly pizzatola riots of Providence, Rhode Island, in YWQMD, discredited the uh, FOPPPs and fragmented them. <laughs> uh, back to the text. Uh, she was given the shoe. See, that's she- like a, that is like a a very, uh, I feel like nineties esque reference. You know, Dworkin, a, a Dworkin militant, like militant l- feminism, anti objectivism, uh, objectification. The worst like, thing that can happen to you as a woman is, is being objectified at, in the 90s. Yes. That was the end of history problem for yes. women. Um, we were talking about end of history problems because we were watching an, an episode of The Nanny last night in which the big the big political uh, bind that the nanny gets herself into is that she inherits a mink coat but feels strongly and is also being pressured by one of the daughters that she nannies uh, to not wear animal furs. And we were, and Molly was pointing out that that exact same plot happened in a friends episode. Friends ripped it off almost Uh, exactly. And we were just talking about like, like it's, it's 1995 and your biggest like political consideration is like, should we wear fur coats? (sighs) Should take me back, man. Should we be like, and then you're Foster Wallace. It's a little earlier and you're like it, extrapolating from current trends i could imagine a militant group about anti-objectification yeah right don't uh, <laughs> don't, don't look perceive at me. me i do not want to be perceived <laughs> well i per- i guess per- uh, perception is a big uh, a big part of this book sure uh all right she uh emmy thode was uh given the shoe she'd come practically with a banta- bandana tied stick over her shoulder <laughs> back to coach stitt who for historic um, it's called a bindle sir okay uh, who, for historical national reasons, had always has a soft spot inside, a soft place inside for anyone who seems even marginally politically repressed. <laughs> Last spring's airless and bee-redolent section of Thode's psychopolitical offering, the toothless predator breastfeeding as sexual assault. <laughs> had been one of the most disorientingly fascinating experiences of Ted Shack's intellectual life so far (laughs) outside the dentist chair. Whereas this fall's focus on pathologic double bind type quandaries was turning out to be not quite as compelling, but weirdly almost intuitively easy. E.g. from today's, the personal is the political is the psychopathological, the politics of contemporary psychopathological double binds, midterm examination, Ms. Thode, November 7th, year of YDU. Keep your answers brief and gender neutral. Item one, 1A, you are an individual who is pathologically kleptomaniacal. As a kleptomaniac, you are pathologically driven to steal, steal, steal. You must steal. 
1B, but you are also an individual who is pathologically agoraphobic. As an agoraphobic, you cannot so much as step off your front step of the porch of your home without undergoing palpitations, drenching sweats, and feelings of impending doom. As an agoraphobic, you are driven to pathologically stay home and not leave. You cannot leave home. 1C, but from 1A, you are pathologically driven to go out and steal, steal, steal. But from 1B, you are pathologically driven not to ever leave home. You live alone, meaning there is no one else in your home to steal from, meaning you must go out into the marketplace to satisfy your overwhelming compulsion to steal, steal, steal. But such is your fear of the marketplace that you cannot under any circumstances leave home. Whether your problem is true personal psychopathology or merely marginalization by a political definition of psychopathology, nevertheless, it is a double bind. 1D, thus, respond to the question of... What do you do? Okay. Uh, steel cable. Shacked was just looping the D in mail fraud when Jim Trollch's pseudo-radio program, backed by its Eustachian-crumpling operatic soundtrack, came over 112 West House ETA intercom speaker up over the classroom clock. When no away tournaments or meets were going on, WETA student-run radio got to broadcast ETA-related news, sports and community affairs for 10 or so minutes over the closed-circuit intercom every Tuesday and Saturday during the last PM class period, like 1435 to 1445 hours. Man, this motherfucker loves audio. Yes, he does. And so do we. We do, we do love the audio. Wait, so am I getting that right that they have 10 minutes of community radio? 10 minutes radio? of community radio, which is just an intercom announcement. So it's just PA announcements. It's just PA announcements. <laughs> okay. But Trollch, who's dreamed of a tennis broadcast career ever since it became clear very early that he would be in no way showbound, the Trollch who spends every last fin his folks spend, send him on his staggering interlace slash SPN pro match cartridge library and spends almost every free second calling pro action with his room's TP <coughs> viewer's volume down, which takes us to EndNote 106. There's a viewing room on each subdorm floor and room-sized TPs with phone consoles and, if a kid wants, modems are standard issue, but only ETA juniors and seniors get to have actual cartridge viewers in their subdorm rooms. A two-year-old administrative concession, the credit for which goes largely to Trolch, who made such a pest of himself with Charles Tavis over the issue that Tavis finally relented just to keep the kid from lurking in his office's waiting room, speaking into his fist, pretending to report on the flames of controversy surrounding individual rights raging here in quaint and peaceful Enfield. And none of these viewers, <laughs> likewise the viewing room's units, can have motherboard cards for spontaneous interlaced disseminations or for ROM caliber games, which broadcasts and video-ish games encourage a stuporous passivity that ETA's mm. philosophy now regards as venomous to the whole set of reasons the kids are enrolled there in the first place. Stuporous passivity, you say? I mm. say. He say. Uh uh, are we going to get like a chapter explaining what a, a cartridge reader a TP system is as detailed as the one about video communication? Or uh, No, the the idea being sponta spontaneous dissemination is like when you turn on a TV, yeah. it's broadcast TV. And then if you order cartridges, it's like videos. That's like renting videos. Well, I'm thinking about like what the so. So it sounds like there's like a. a two things there's like a little handheld thing that i'm imagining like kind of like a game boy or like a smaller thing I and then there's TPs like the full is just a tp is a teleputer and that's that could come in big size or small size yeah. so you could have a small tp in your room in your room or the room size one mm -hmm. in the viewing room correct 
Okay. Yeah. And I don't, I'm trying to remember if there was something like streaming, which is basically like ordering pulses, yeah. which is to say like it's not a disc, but yeah. the way that the entertainment is, yes. but it's something that you can subscribe to or order order in. Sure. On. Anyway, hopefully that helps. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Back to the text. I just want to, I just want to know what he imagines these things looking like. Like televisions. I, I think like TVs. Yeah, but they probably have like tubes and shit coming out of them. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe all kinds of fan art. There's and there's phones as well. Yes, and just and you can video call on them. Yes, that's important too. So there's a camera. Uh, the kind of pathetic troll ch- who shamelessly kiss asses the interlace slash SPN sportscasters whenever he's on the scene of an I slash SPN recorded junior event, which takes us to EndNote 107, e.g. the Whataburger Invitational, <laughs> will allegedly be recorded for fringe market order only viewing later this month. <laughs> Back to the text. Pestering the sportscasters and offering to get them donuts and Joe, etc. The Trollch, who already owns a whole rack of generic blue blazers and practices combing his hair so it has that glassy toupee-like look of a real sportscaster. Trollch has been doing the sports portion of WETA's weekly broadcast ever since Shaq's old man died of ulcerative colitis and Ted came up to join his old childhood doubles partner at the Academy in the fall of the year of the trial-sized Dove Bar, which had been four months after the late ETA headmaster's fellow to say when the flags were still at half-mast and everyone's bicep was banded in black cotton, which the mesomorphic Shaq got excused from because of bicep size. Trolch had already been doing WETA sports when he came, and he's been undislodgeable from the post ever since. The sports portion of WETA's broadcast is mostly just reporting the outcomes and scores of whatever competitive events the ETA squads have been in since the last broadcast, which takes us to note 108. Sometimes, especially in early fall and late spring, this can involve a lapse of several weeks. WETA doesn't broadcast when most of the kids are away at some competitive thing, and Saturday classes are likewise often canceled. This is one reason why so many pro rector's classes are relegated by Mrs. AMI to Saturdays. Back to the text. Trolch, who approaches his twice-a-week duties with all possible verve, will say he feels like the hardest thing about his intercom broadcast is keeping things from getting repetitive as he goes through long lists of who beat whom and by how much. His quest for synonyms for beat and got beat by is never-ending and serious and a continual source of irritation to his friends. Mary Esther's exams were notorious no-brainers and automatic A's if you were careful with your third-person pronouns, and even while he listened closely enough to Trolch to be able to supply the audience feedback that tonight's dinner table would be inescapable without, Jack was already on the test's third item, which concerned exhibitionism among the pathologically shy. Eleven-seven's <laughs> broadcast results were from ETA's 71-37 route of Port Washington's A and B teams at the Port Washington annual thing. John Wayne at A1's 18s beat Port Washington's Bob Francis of Great Neck, New York. New New York, excuse me. Uh, 6062, Trolch says. While A2 singles, Howling Condenza defeated Craig Berga of Vivian Park, Utah, 6261. And while A3, KD Coyle went down in a hard-fought loss to Port Wash, Shelby Vander Murwee of Hempstead, Long Island, 635775. A4, Trevor, the axe handle Axford, crushed. PW's Tapio Marty out of Sonora, Mexico, 7562, and so on. 
By the time it's down to boys A14s, Trolch's delivery gets terser, even as his attempts at verbiform variety tend to have gotten more lurid. E.g., Lamont Chu disemboweled Charles Popsilova, 6362. Jeff Penn was on Nate Millis Johnson like a duck on a June bug, 646760. Peter Beek spread Vil Dillard on a cracker like some sort of hors d'oeuvre and bit down 6476, while 14's A4, Idris Islania, ground his heel into the neck of David Weir, 6164. And PW's five-man, R. Greg Chubb, had to just be about carried off over somebody's shoulder after Todd Postlethwaite moonballed him into a narcoleptic <laughs> coma, 466475. <laughs> Some of Corbett Thorpe's class on geometric distortions a lot of kids find hard, likewise Delint's class for the software inept. And though Tex Watson's overall handle on cold containment DT annulation is shaky, his lay physics survey of combustion and annulation has some sort of academic validity to it, especially because he sometimes gets Pemulus to guess lecture when he and Pemulus are in a period of detente. But the only really challenging prorected class ever for Hal and Condensa is turning out to be uh, Mademoiselle Thierry Potrincourt's Separatism and Return, Quebecois History from Frontenac through the Age of Interdependence, which, to be candid, Hal never heard much positive about and had always deflected his mom's suggestions that he might profitably take until finally this term scheduled juggling got dicey and which, the class, he finds difficult and annoying, but surprisingly less and less dull as the semester wears on, and is actually developing something of a layman's savvy for Canadianism and Onanite politics, topics he'd previously found for some reason not only dull, but queerly distasteful. The so presumably this is the class that uh, Schacht was writing the essay for? Yes, correct. Okay. Uh, the rub of this particular class's difficulty is that Potrincourt teaches only in Quebecois French, which <laughs> Hal can get by in because of his youthful tour through Oren's real French, Pléiade Classics, but has never all that much liked, particularly sound-wise, Quebecois being a gurgly, glottal language that seems to require a perpetually sour facial expression to pronounce. <laughs> Hal sees no way of Oren's knowing he was taking Potrincourt's separatism in return when he called to ask for help with, with separatism, which Oren's asking for help from him with anything was strange enough in and of itself. Bernadette Longley reluctantly bowed to PW's Jessica Pearlberg at 18A1 singles 644662, though A2 Diane Prince hopped up and down on the thorax of Port's Marilyn Hing Ah Thiep 7661, and Bridget Boone drove a hot thin spike right into the eye of Amy Middleton Law 6363, and so on in classroom after classroom while instructors grade quizzes or read or tap a decreasingly patient foot every Tuesday slash Saturday while Schacht sketches prenatal de dentition charts in his exam's margins with a concentrated look, not wanting to embarrass Thode by handing the no-brainer exam in too soon. Wait, j just pausing. What, what does an exhibitionist do when they're shy? Uh, I don't know. You could Camming? Camming. You could record, yeah, record... Um record uh things and then send them i mean dick pics basically dick pics yeah <laughs> most of the early quebec stuff about cartier and roberval and cap rouge and champlain and flocks of ursuline nuns with frozen wimples covered up to like un day uh howled found mostly dry and repetitive 
the wig and jerkin gentlemanly warfare stilted and absurd, like slow-motion slapstick, though everyone had been sort of queasily intrigued by the way the English commander Amherst had handled the Hurons by dispensing free blankets and buckskin that had been carefully coated with smallpox variola. Fourteens A3, Felicity's Wag, went absolutely sack pop on CPW's Kiki Pfefferblit 7661. <laughs> we'll learn what sack pop is later. While Gretchen Holt made PW's Tammy Taylor Bing sorry her parents were ever even in the same room together, 6063. <laughs> At five, Ann Kittenplan grimaced and flexed her way to a 752663 win over Paisley Steinkamp, right next to where Jolene Kreese at six was doing to PW's Mona Ghent what a quality boot can do to a toadstool, two and two. See, the last time you read a list of names, uh, you, it, it, the phrase ended with, and so on and so on. Uh, implying that that was the last time he was going to go to it, but I knew he was going to go back to this, this list of names and, mm-hmm. wor- and words for defeat one more, at sure. least one more time. Yep. Uh, Saluki-faced Thierry, po- <laughs> Thierry Potrincourt leans back in her chair and closes her eyes and presses her palms hard against her temples and stays like that all the way through every WETA broadcast which always interrupts her last period lecture and puts this section slightly and maddeningly behind separation and returns other section, resulting in two required lesson preps instead of one. Poor teacher. The sour Saskatchewanese kid next to Hal has been making impressive schematic drawings of automatic weaponry in his notebook all (laughs) semester. The kids assigned ROM diskettes are always visible in his book bag, still in their wrapper. Yet the sketch kid always finishes quizzes in like five minutes. It had taken up to the week before Halloween to get through with the BS 67 Levesque Parti and Bloc Québécois, which takes us to 109. Apparently the Parti Q is provincial intra-Québécois. The Bloc's its federal counterpart with members in parliament and so on and so mm. forth. Uh, an early Front de la Libération Nationale stuff and up to the present interdependent era, Potrincourt's lecture voice has gotten quieter and quieter at hist- as history's approached its contemporary limit. And Hal, finding the stuff rather more high concept and less dull than he expected, seeing himself as, at his innermost core, apolitical, nevertheless found the Quebecois separatism mentality almost impossibly convolved and confused and impervious to U.S. parsing, <laughs> which takes us to EndNote 110. Ah, it's a bit long. Uh, QV, here in the later, later in the same day, 11-7, as Hal and Condenza sits on the edge of his unmade bed, undressed with the good right leg curled under him and the bad ankle soaking in a janitor pail of dissolved Epsom salts, looking through one of Mario's old hush puppy shoe boxes of letters and snapshots. Saturdays involve classes and drills and PM matches, but no conditioning run or weight circuits. Afternoons oddly mismatched challenge matches held on staff squeegeed center courts under a steady metal sunless sky. The air still damp after lunchtime's rain, Hal's own odd match was truncated when sea squatter Hugh Pemberton took a ball in the eye up at net <laughs> and began wandering the service box in wobbled circles. Hal skipped a, twi- a quip- <laughs> skipped a quick trip down to the pump room and got to shower nearly solo in the main locker room. Tomorrow's Interdependence Day communal supper at ETA is a big deal and includes each person's own specially selected hat plus real dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and a postprandial Mario-made film, and sometimes a sing-along. 
How and Pemulus, Struck and Axford and Trolch and Shacked and sometimes Stice have their own special private day-before-I-day ritualistic supper-out and trip-to-the-unexamined-life blowout gala (laughs) since Sunday is a day of total mandatory R&R. The untruncated matches are winding down out there, Hal can hear. The sun is coming out just in time to go down. That's a very New England thing. <laughs> the sun, yes. <laughs> the com ad pipes start to moan and sing with crowded, uh, showering kids. Pale net shadows are starting to elongate acutely across the sidelines of the court's north sides. Mario is more or less the Incandenza family archivist ex officio. Uh, Mario has been closeted with Disney Leith all day preparing things for Sunday's postprandial gala and film fest. The phone sits mute atop the answering machine attachment on the telephone's power unit's console. Its antenna is retracted and it simply sits there, exuding the vague contained menace of mute phones. The phone's ringer sort of twitters instead of ringing. The audio-only comm system's power console is bolted to a receptacle on the side of Hal and Mario's TP. There you go. And its (laughs) red power light blinks at the slow liquid rate of a radio tower. The phone and answering machine are hand-me-downs from Oren's days at ETA, old models of transparent plastic, so you can see everything's quad-colored pasta <laughs> pasta of wires and chips and tin discs. See, I needed to know what these things look like, okay. delivers. But that the clear just in time. The clear plastic uh, electronic look is so good. Very not my I, my I, oldest cousin had a clear phone. So glam. I feel like uh, people have been um, it's been it's become like a meme that people are yearning for the the Bring clear back plastic. the Y two K. Yeah, the Y two K is that, and honestly, it is good. I wish my fucking Zoom recorder was made out of clear plastic. Yeah, that'd be some high fashion podcasting. Bring it back. Uh, the phone and oh wait, nope, nope. The only message when Hal got in was from Oren at fourteen twelve hours. Oren had said he just called to ask whether, by any chance, Hal'd ever realized that all of Emily Dickinson, as in the Belle of Amherst Emily Dickinson, the canonical agoraphobic poet, that every single one of Ms. Dickinson's canonical poems could be sung without loss or syllabic distortion to the tune of the Yellow Rose of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the song? No. (laughs) Uh because it's because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. Or it had sung illustratively onto the recording. I hope the father in the skies will lift his little girl. Actually, more like sort of sung. There'd been professional locker room sounds in the background, <laughs> locker doors banging, bass voices, bass voices on tile and steel, uh, personal stereos, hisses of antiperspirant and styling spritz. The odd enclosed echo of locker rooms everywhere, junior or pro. On my volcano grows the grass, a meditative spot, and so on. The fleshy pop of a professionally snapped towel on adult skin. A black man's falsetto laughter. Oren's recorded voice said he just grabbed an odd free second to inquire what Hal's machine might make of this fact. (laughs) Hal spits Kodiak tobacco juice into an old rocket-emblazoned NASA glass on the bedside table. Idly and for no special reason, riffling through densely packed letters, trifolded and packed upright, a kind of Rolodex of different mementos and postal correspondence Mario's rescued from wastebaskets and recycling bins and dumpsters and quietly saved in shoeboxes. Mario has no problem with Hal perusing his closet stuff. Mario's closet has a canvas strap instead of a knob. 
Ideally, there would also be a bucket of very cold water, and Hal would move the bad ankle from one bucket to the other and back again. A whistle sounds from down near the girls' west courts. Someone little in the hall outside the closed door shouts, Guess again! to someone further down the hall. None of the hush puppy boxes' snail mail letters are to or from Mario. Mario's bed is loosely, unanally made. Hal's bed is unmade. Hal and Mario's mother had done her undergraduate honors work at McGill on the use of hyphens, dashes, and colons in E. Dickinson. The Epsom water whitens his calluses. Unlaundered bedding swims around him. The phone twitters. Ample make this bed or ample make this bed. (laughs) The phone twitters again. That's a weird end note. Yes. (sighs) And we're back to the text. Where was I? Um... Right, how was finding the separatism stuff interesting? Uh, Plus was both calm and repelled by the fact that the contemporary anti-Onan insurgent stuff provoked in him a queasy feeling. Not the glittery disorientation of nightmares or on-court panic, but a soggier, more furtively nauseous kind of sense, as if someone had been reading mail of Hal's that he thought he'd thrown away. The proud and haughty Quebecois had been harassing and even terrorizing the rest of Canada over the separation issue for time out of mind. It was the establishment of Onan and the gerrymandering of the Great Convexity, uh, Potrincourt's Canadian, recall, that turned the concavity convexity. Yes. Uh, that turned the malevolent attention of Quebec's worst post-FLN insurgents south of the border. Ontario and New Brunswick took the continental Anschluss and territorial reconfiguration like good sports. Certain far-right fringes in Alberta weren't too pleased, but not much pleases an Albertan far-rightist anyway. <laughs> it was finally only the proud and haughty, uh, haughty Quebecois who whinged, which takes us to end note 111. Oh, come on. <laughs> This is a six-page endnote. Oh, okay. Weird. It that's not one eleven, but that is a six-page endnote. I'm not sure what that refers to, so we might have to read it at some point. Okay. Well, we will have to read it at some point. Yeah. Um, endnote one eleven. Hal's term actually an incondensa family term. Actually, not inappropriate here because, like most incondensa family terms put into family usage by Avril, who's an expatriate Quebecer, whinge is some East Canadian idiom for vigorous, high pitched complaining, almost like whining, except with a semantic tinge of legitimacy to the complaint. <laughs> Got to remember to hit that other end note. So 112 is a, is a doozy? Well, that I that was 110, and then that was 111. I wonder if it was the continuation of 110 but I almost like don't want to deal with it right now. We can do it next time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. It's all one note, man. Let's do it next time. Okay. So wait, that, that is more on whinged. No, that's more on Hal and his mom. Let's finish. We've got like a half page left. That's all. Okay, great. We've got a half a page left. Let's start with that end note next time. Okay, great. Sorry for all listening. Thank you for your patience. Uh, the insurgent cells of Quebec who completely lost their political shit. Quebec's anti-Onan and thus U.S. separatistes, the different terror cells formed when Ottawa had been the foe, proved not to be a very nice bunch at all. The earliest unignorable strikes involved a then-unknown terrorist cell, 
which takes <laughs> us to EndNote 112, the soon-to-be all-well-known and dread-inspiring Assassin des Fauteuils Roland of the EWD receptacle festooned Papineau region of southwestern Quebec. Back to the text. Uh, that apparently snuck down from the EWD blighted Papineau region at night and dragged huge standing mirrors across U.S. Interstate 87 at select dangerous narrow winding Adirondack passes south of the border and its lucite walls. Naively empiricist northbound U.S. motorists, a good many of them military and Onanite personnel this close to the concavity, would see impending headlights and believe some like suicidal idiot or Canadian had transversed the median and was coming right for them. They'd flash their high beams, but to all appearances, the impending idiot would just flash his high beams right back. The U.S. motorists, usually not to be fucked with in their vehicles, historically it was well known, would brazen it out as long as anyone right-minded possibly could, but right before apparent impact with the impending lights, they'd always veer wildly and leave shoulderless I-87 and put their arm over their head in that screaming pre-crash way and go ass over tea kettle into an Adirondack chasm with a many-petaled bloom of high-test flame, and the then-unknown Quebecois terrorist cell would remove the huge mirror and truck off back up north via checkpointless back roads back into the blighted bowels of southern Quebec until next time. <laughs> there were fatalities this way well into the year of the Tuck's medicated pad before anyone had any idea they were diabolic cell-related. For over 20 months, the scores of burnt-out hulls piling up in Adirondack chasms were regarded as either suicides or inexplicable doze-behind-the-wheel-type single-car accidents by new New York state troopers who had to detach their chin straps to scratch under their <laughs> big brown hats over the mysterious sleepiness that seemed to affect Adirondack motorists at what looked to be high-adrenaline mountaintop passes. Chief of the new office, uh, United States Office of Unspecified Services Rodney Tyne pressed to his later embarrassment for a series of anti-driving when drowsy public service spots to be interlaced disseminated in upstate New New York. It was an actual U.S. would-be suicide, a late-stage Valium-addicted Amway distributor from Schenectady who was at the end of her benzodioxine rope and all over the road anyway, and who by historical accounts saw these sudden impending headlights in her northbound lane as grace and shut her eyes and floored it right for them, the lights, never once veering, spraying glass and micronized silver all over four lanes. This unwitting civilian who smashed the illusion, made the breakthrough, media headlines, <laughs> and brought to light the first tangible evidence of an anti-Onan ill will way worse than anything aroused by plain old historical separatism up in Quebec. Great. All right, we must. I I will go back to endnote. The finish endnote one ten. One ten. So wait, wait, wait. The the endnote one ten is six pages. But is that the the endnote that went off the word whinged? No, it did not go off the word whinged. It was part of the scene where Hal was hanging out in his room. Okay, rereading the things from um, and reading the mail. Yeah, and the next section of endnote one ten which I missed because it was a page break. It says, a moving example of the sorts of physical post-mail Mrs. Averland Condensa has sent her eldest child, Orin, since the fellow to say of Dr. J.O. and Condensa, the sort of chirpily quotidian mail that, here's the moving part, seems to imply a context of regular inter-party communication still. Okay, great. So that's six more pages of, of Hal going through family memories. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a... <laughs> It's it's a Saturday. 
scenes from a Saturday afternoon in uh the infinite a, gist is that yeah. people are taking a, a test on a several tests several tests right because it's the it's the um yeah midterms uh but but only for the but only for the the Saturday seminars taught by the uh, tennis pro rectors correct so we have what I'm not gonna remember any of these unfair geometries was that one of them yeah or like unprecedented geometries uh intro to like sports spreadsheets I like intro to sports spreadsheets the um, one with all the colons in it yes uh the psycho the psycho conflicts psychopathologies of double binds double binds yes i like those yeah um <laughs> male fraud male male who's looping, looping the, the d, d in male, male fraud. fraud uh it's never been easier to steal from someone while being agoraphobic I'll yes you, you just use the internet just i mean but internet. that wasn't really a uh a consideration for this no uh I don't stealing know. cable was pretty good. Stealing cable, yeah. I, I mean, I, like you still have to go out. Your thirst, you, you know. Probably still have to go outside to to get the cable stolen. Yes. Well, it depends how your pathology resolves because it would either be uh, not good because it's only a one-time theft, i.e., you hook up the cable the one time and that is the thrill of the the thieving. Or if your pathology resolves another way, then it could be like constant satisfaction. All, every time you turn on the TV, and, you're happy to be stealing. Yes, exactly. Could you also, would you, could you hire someone to steal for you? Um, or would that not, um, and they come to your house and you tell them to steal? I don't think it would work quite the I same I don't think way. so. I, I don't know. how. I imagine that kleptomania um, often manifests in, more often manifests in phys- in the the physical act of stealing an object. Right. Like uh, in The Sims. Is that can, a Sims thing? You there's can, a Sims trait that's uh being a kleptomaniac and you can literally like go to other people's houses and like take their shit and you <laughs> get you become happy. Your mood lit becomes happy. Your mood lit. Yeah. Um trying to to figure out what else. I mean, I like this these chapters that are just like kind of filling in details. I mean, it seems like the emotional arc of this chapter is really contained within that six page uh yeah. note. The um the mirror thing was briefly referenced in Struck's plagiarizing of the Oh yeah. Because they were talking about essay essay subjects and one I think maybe even how ha- might have picked the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> it's a very funny uh form of terrorism yeah it's very clever uh, now are they moving these giant mirrors only with their wheelchairs uh yes i mean that's a, that is the sort of magic of of the ssn is like they do all kinds of shit including you know um the one guy like climbing a mountain in a wheelchair yes like they are kind of like uniquely capable in a way that you maybe wouldn't expect it's never really explained yeah assassin roland um yeah, i guess, yeah it w- would it be more like les assassins de forteur roland <laughs> when you're trying to be the more, little more Quebecois. i don't know i don't want to offend anybody <laughs> uh the confusing thing somebody did comment on one of our th- one of the things of being like uh i'm offended when they do french accents yeah yeah well, that's the point um, Sorry, buddy. French is funny in um, English. It's confusing because you would expect 
me, I, I, you, I would have expected to have more Quebecois French teachers in high school because I did take French. Yeah, you're like 80 miles from the border or something. And I don't think anybody was. Really? We had one, my middle school teacher was, was Quebecois, but a lot of them, like some of them were French French. Some of them, I don't even, I don't know. I oh. mean, lang- language teaching in high school is a, is a, it's a crapshoot. Well, you would think that uh, maybe maybe it is due to their fierce nationalism that not many actually fl- uh, flow south of the border to Burlington. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to teach. Is Certainly a, to shop. Is <laughs> <laughs> Certainly to shop and then to also not tip me when I waited on them. But that's fine. Um, why, why would they? They wouldn't know. They don't have. They wouldn't know. It's tipping is a, a foolish way of uh, uh, of paying of provide of providing teenagers salaries. The favorite way, I because I did I took French because I was interested in it and because we were close to Quebec mm-hmm. and I thought it might be useful. And I'll never forget I did. And once I started working at at a diner, I was like, well, maybe if people speak French, I can help them. I but I'll never forget this old lady. <laughs> came and sat down at a dirty table cutting the whole line and uh was only speaking french to whoever was talking to her and i went up to her and i was i spoke in french basically being like there's a there's a list i can put you on the list but there's a short wait yada yada and she was just like basically not listening to me at all mm-hmm. and like drink she drank from a dirt like a a glass of water that was sitting at the that table the table had not been bust. And i was like okay this chick this chick is not is not to be reasoned with um but weirdly she was from the ivory coast <laughs> like Cote Cote, Cote, Cote <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah, you, that, you I, assumed, I thought my French you... was going to be useful and then uh, it it was never useful because you can't reason with bad um, you can't reason with bad customers um, Le customer is, is Burlington in the Great Concavity yes yes yeah Vermont I think is, is almost uh, entirely uh, the nor- the northernmost part of Onan is Massachusetts yes okay because those, all of those, New Hampshire. Um, yeah, gone. All of those dumpsters and catapults are in Boston. Nasa, yes. Um, anything else from this chapter? I, I'm feeling a little commentary light uh, here. Well, speaking of commentary, tr- uh uh Oh yes, his um, his running list of uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean that. That also, I was mainly thinking, especially when he when it was like, I know he's going to dip back into this more time. That's just like that's just for for Wallace. It's like setting yourself up to do punchlines. Yeah. Where it's like, so here's a conceit, which is that he has to list all these scores, yeah. and then I just and then I can just like keep coming up with increasingly absurd ways to say beat. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite was made her parents uh, wish they'd never even been in the same room as each other. I liked drove a hot iron spike through the eye. <laughs> uh, s- sack pop is a term that we will visit again in Eschaton. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that'll do. Yeah. Um, the next, I mean, we're going to try to keep these going. The next few weeks might be a little touch and go. We're doing a lot of traveling. Um, we, could, we might be able to bank it. No, when are we ever able to bank anything? Good, good point. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm like, should we, should we slam one more, um, of these that would work for the following weekend? When, uh, I don't oh, know. wait, we I can, don't know. We can record while we're traveling. I'm, I'm gonna have all my recording equipment anyway. Great. <laughs> uh, never leave home without the ability to podcast. Is, more and more people are saying is is my uh, is my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably gonna put this out right now. This one might even come a little early, so Ooh. still time to uh, go to Frequency Fest. Uh, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so nervous about it. I feel like I could puke. 
Oh, babe. Uh, the last like week or so, if I didn't start taking a, a heavy dose of melatonin every night, I probably wouldn't have slept more than like three or four hours uh, every night for the last few weeks. It's going to um, be great. It's going to be like I get nervous before every single video shoot that I do, but usually just the day before. But this is like the combination of like 20 video shoots. Yeah. yeah this is this event is as big as 20 video shoots. Is the yellow in infinite? Is this yellow green? The green of a tennis ball? Interesting. Yes. We're looking at the very cover cover of Infinite Jest, the w- the one with the blue sky with the yellow text, and mm-hmm. Molly is asking, "Is it the yellow of a tennis ball?" And I think, green. honestly, it is. It might be. It, uh, that's a good call. All right. Uh, yeah, please. If you haven't bought a Frequency Fest ticket, here I'll do, I'll do the plug so so you don't have to. It's a streaming music and podcast festival on Saturday, June fifth, starting at noon one. one? p.m. eastern yeah there's podcasts there's music it's gonna be fun and sick you can hang out look at look at you can do some doing and some looking uh and yeah get get a ticket for chris do it for chris (laughs) do it for chris all right bye bye